Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Relatable Real Estate Podcast. We are two young guys who talk everything real estate while keeping it at a relatable level. Today, we have a very, very special guest. He is an award-winning mortgage broker and team leader with Citywide Mortgages. He has an extensive background in finance and he's also been a crypto consultant. He is Mr. Christopher Chodzak. Thank you very much for the introduction there, Kate. Excited to be here. Very, very excited. Um, one thing I will say just before we get into it, Daniel is actually behind the camera today. Um, he took the role of editing. It has nothing to do with the fact that we can't afford a third camera and microphone. Um, so everybody say hi behind the camera. So Chris, before we get into it, um, I guess just let people know a little bit about your story. For sure. Yeah. So um, mortgage broker, key thing kind of like of my background, uh, graduated with a finance and marketing degree. Um, really thought that I wanna, wanted to be an accountant, so did, okay. the, did the whole accountant thing, prepared tax returns, and I thought, you know what, this isn't for me, but I realized I loved doing the analytical aspect of numbers. So then I was like, you know what, let's change this up. I like sales, I like people. Worked at an investment firm doing invest, investment product wholesaling. Uh, did some kind of cryptocurrency things in between, and then I realized how do I get to combine my passion of numbers, finance, all that, with actually helping people building relationships together. And I realized that was as a mortgage broker, uh, providing people solutions to buy homes from a financial standpoint. And that's where I ended up uh, today meeting uh, Cade and the rest of the amazing guys on this podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, an interesting fact too about Chris, he actually holds the unofficial title for the most AirPods ever purchased by a human being. You know no, what? No, no. <laughs> I uh, thank you for giving me that that award. Yeah. I forgot I have that one on my, on my shelf. Talk on the phone all day to people, so uh, it is something that I hold near and dear to my heart and my ears. Every time you call us, I swear to God, you're like, "Hey, can you hear me? Okay, it's it's uh, a, a new new pair of AirPods, new pair of AirPods. I'm on my third pair, fourth pair. I'm like, holy smokes! If AirPods but... could last 14 hours straight, that would be great. One day, one day. <laughs> Apple, if you need a guy to sponsor, this is your guy. Um, so I guess moving on real quick, you know, actually a question I do have, what is the process of becoming a mortgage broker? Yeah. Well, I think one of the key things is people always talk about mortgages. They talk about what's a mortgage broker. How do you become a mortgage? I think we almost need to take a step back sometimes and say like, what actually is a mortgage? What does it even mean? How does yes. a mortgage even relate to real estate? Of course. Now I still remember being, being a kid and seeing these, you know, million dollar homes in West Vancouver being sold. And I was like, wow. Somebody has a million dollars in their bank. That's yeah. really, really cool. And that's how they can buy a million dollar home. I guess they have to save up a million dollars. And exactly. at the time in elementary school, what I had like 400 bucks in my account. I thought that was a, <laughs> I thought I thought that was a pretty exciting thing. So really, I just just in case people don't know, a mortgage is the formal name of what it is called when you borrow money to buy real estate. Because mm -hmm. in reality, that person probably doesn't have a hundred thousand or a million or two million dollars in the bank to actually get that product. If you do have that money, please reach out to us at Go. No, kidding. Now that we rough, roughly understand what a mortgage is, there, uh, becoming a mortgage broker, um, I actually have a finance degree myself. Technically, you don't have to have a finance degree, mm -hmm. um, but after getting, getting my finance degree, I then got my mortgage broker license, mm -hmm. something you study for similar to a real, real estate license or a lot of other things such as becoming a financial advisor. And uh, after getting my license, uh, I joined a office, so a mortgage brokerage office, similar to if you're a real estate agent, you mm -hmm. join a specific office, a specific company, and then you start operating from there. 
Sweet. And then how much uh, schooling would you say you've, you've put all in yet to, uh, you know, get where you are? Yeah. So one of the unique things that, that I did is a lot of, a lot of the time mortgage brokers or realtors just say, I'm going to start one day and they just try to just start and just figuring it out. But what I've learned, if it's from certain, um, certain business influencers in this space, if we're saying a Grant Cardone or a Gary, Gary, (laughs) Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, something like that is we don't need to reinvent the wheel Mm -hmm. to do something that others are already doing. Yeah. Right. It's just, how can we, if we look at successful people in the space, what are they already doing and how can we build off from that to not only be successful, but be even better that we can help people in a better, better way that we can achieve our dreams, dreams better, mm-hmm. all, all of those things. So I, d- I decided, why don't I sit beside some of the most successful mortgage brokers in the city, mm-hmm. see how they operate their business, businesses, take the good things about it, put my own spin on it. Yeah. Uh, so again, I can help, help more people and build a more successful business. So that's exactly what I did. So with all of that in mind, with the courses I've taken, it's been hundreds and hundreds of hours of yeah. succeeding and failing and learning to get to where I am today. What's well, huge. And again, too, like I'm sure you have a major advantage with that, you know, background in finance. Um, and again, too, I, I think we said in our podcast before, like recommending for young agents is to do what you just did, right? Is to find somebody that's good, offer to work for free. You just say, hey, can I sit in whatever? Because you're going to be miles ahead by the time you start, you know, from square one. 100%. Um, so again, as you know, we work with a lot of first time home buyers, people that are, you know, quite new to the space. So, you know, they kind of had the gist of how it works with the realtor. So we've said, you know, sending somebody off to a mortgage broker to get approved. What does that kind of look like? What do you do for them? Yeah. So some mortgage brokers go through a similar process. What I do for my process is a realtor like you, Cade, uh, would recommend a client uh, to me to speak with or a client would directly get in touch with me. And the first thing mm-hmm. we always do is discovery call. This is a short phone call around 10 or 15 minutes so I can discover, understand your situation and see if we're a good fit to work together mm-hmm. and to see what your overall needs and goals are. Mm-hmm. So it always starts, starts off, we have a brief conversation and we touch on within this conversation informally the four key main topics that relate to every single approval. It doesn't matter what type of mortgage you are getting, mm-hmm. but to get real estate financing, anybody who is giving you a loan, a mortgage, cares about the same four things, which is the down payment, okay. our income, the credit you, you have, we'll touch on that, and the specific property that you are buying. Mm-hmm. So throughout the entire mortgage process of getting pre-approved and getting a for- formal mortgage, these four categories, these four aspects are looked at and talked about and focused on the entire time. So we briefly touch on these four things during the pre-approval call mm-hmm. uh, where we talk, talk about these four things. We don't need to know exact numbers, but I and my team just need to get an, an idea of what your situation looks like with all this. Mm-hmm. The next step is then I would um, request some documents so we can determine formal numbers of this is exactly the mortgage size you can get, this is exactly the purchase price you can get, what all that looks like. Once we have the pre-approval done, meaning you understand the key details of your financing situation, you would then work with an awesome realtor such as Cade to begin looking at homes. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is you know I can or I cannot afford this home and this is what my situation looks like. Now, when Cade or your realtor negotiates an accepted purchase offer for you, mm-hmm. once you have that purchase offer, you then bring it back to me. I say, okay, now we're ready to go forward and get the final approval. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, well, Christopher, you already reviewed my documents. You said I could buy a home for this much. Aren't we ready to go? If I was lending you my own money, go ahead. We'd fully (laughs) be ready to go. Unfortunately, I'm not. And 
why it it it's it's determined on the property is the lender needs to be okay with the property now 97 percent of properties that you write an offer on that you get accepted purchase offers for the lender will be okay with but they still need to fully understand the property so yeah. once you have that that accepted purchase offer then we get the final mortgage approval there's some signatures and really away we go so the process to some degree sounds complicated but it's pretty easy i would have a conversation with you I then get some documents from you. I show you all of your options. You then get the accepted purchase offer and we finalize the customized mortgage solution that is right for you. Oh, that's great. And, uh, you know, as you know, we all know, we've done deals with you before, Daniel and I. We've referred multiple people to you and every single person has complicated, or not complicated, complimented how great you are at explaining the process and going over everything beforehand, you know, before you start diving deep into things. Because, you know, as we all know in this room, it is very important to have a pre-approval before you jump into that step. We have seen people that they say, no, 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 I'll be fine. It, you know, I have a budget of 600K up here. And then we see how that all goes and it usually, you know, ends in the garbage. Exactly. And I think the key thing is not just getting this pre-approval or not just saying what the rate is, but the majority of people who come to me, they say, okay, just get me this or let's just get this mortgage. Let's do this yeah. thing. And I say, well, tell me about your car. They're like, why? I'm like, well, you drive a Tesla or you drive a Ford F-150. Like, tell me about it. And they're like, oh, I picked the Ford F-150 because I like this feature, this thing, or I picked the Tesla. And they talk for five or six minutes of why they specifically picked that car or why they picked their TV. And I said, well, how did you find that the Ford F-150 had this feature? How did you know that the Tesla had this specific feature? And they're like, well, I watched this video or I did this research or I learned this thing. And your vehicle, yes, it's 20000 or $100,000. It is a big thing. But your mortgage is going to be five to 10 times bigger <laughs> yeah. than that car purchase. Exactly. So why are people researching a laptop, a $1,000 laptop or a $30,000 car way more than their mortgage, which is going to be three, four, five hundred thousand, a million dollars. So that's why it's not not only about me getting you this, but it's about me educating you on these key parts and i teach people exactly how i get this approval so you feel like you're part of the experience of getting that approval and making your dream come true 100 percent, and you know you heard it first here so i mean uh, i'm sure you're getting a lot of leads from this because i think the biggest thing that we find is people come in and they are nervous you know we are in the people business and especially dealing with you know young people that are new to everything you know sometimes you've dealt with an experienced buyer experienced seller and they basically tell you what you want you know you try to talk to them like, yeah, yeah 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 okay but, you know, young people, they want to hear everything because they are vulnerable. They're in a vulnerable situation, right? And especially, too, you know, you make that jump, like you said, from a $30,000 car to a $600,000 mortgage. You want people to be informed and you don't want any surprises along that entire and process. And just like in most aspects of life, you need to have trust in the person that you are working with. Of course. It's not blind trust but it is educated trust. And if I feel that when I'm talking to some somebody or a relationship starts developing and I feel like they don't truly trust us me, I'm gonna say, look, you know what? I, I am enjoying working with you. I don't think you fully trust me or I don't think you are really set on what I'm going to do. Maybe I can introduce you to somebody else who is yeah. gonna be better suited for you. Maybe you want somebody that specifically speaks your language. Maybe you yeah. want somebody who something something different that is going to help you have more trust so having trust and confidence in the person you're dealing with is is key at the same time i'm going to educate you on the process you're going to educate yourself on the process i'm going to educate uh, recommend tools and resources for you but at the end of the day whoever you work with you need to have trust that they're recommending to you this person or they're doing this because it is in your best interest so it goes both ways for sure 100%. So, uh, you know, just one thing I think we should kind of break down. So with 
mortgage brokers, it's pretty unique where you guys, so you're a mortgage broker, you're not with a specific bank. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about, because I think some people are a little confused. They think they have to talk to a bank. They don't know how it actually works when it comes to lenders. So do you want to kind of explain the difference of being an independent mortgage broker um, rather than if somebody was to go to a bank? Yeah. So what I tell people is in order to get financing to buy real estate here in Canada, you have two options. Either you can directly walk into a bank mm -hmm. like TD Bank, yep. a credit union like Van City or Blue Shore if, if you're here in BC, um, or just any other direct financial institution you can just walk into and just say hey i want to buy real estate what type of mortgage can i get and what are the details and they're going to say okay we have two or three different mortgage products this is the one you can get here are the details there you go yeah. and most people just say well you know i've been going to td bank for the past 10 years or my dad 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 went there mm -hmm. and my mom banks there so i will just go there and i'll just get a mortgage from there and you know what 10 15 even 20 years ago this was a great thing to do. And it was one of the only options because mortgage products were simple. There wasn't really that many options. There wasn't different terms or different rates or different features. There was kind of just a standard thing. And the only thing you would ever really talk, talk about or compare is the rate because everyone kind of got the same mortgage and all the banks and lenders offered pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but what has changed and what actually brought in the development of mortgage brokers, which is your second option, instead of you walking into TD Bank and being like, did I get the best option? Then you're going to say, well, I better walk into that credit union or I better walk into another bank or I'm going to just walk into more banks. That's a lot of work. You're going to walk into all these different banks, compare all these different things. That's going to take you a lot of time. It's going to be difficult to do. And you don't have a degree in mortgages. You don't understand these key details. And why do people only ask about rates? It's one of the only things people know. Yeah. And you don't blame them. When you see ads on TV, when you see on social social media, when you even walk into that bank, they're pretty much just going to say our five-year fixed rate is five and a half percent. That's the only thing people understand or know what to ask. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening is mortgage brokers started becoming a lot more popular. Mm -hmm. Now, for a lot of first-time home buyers that are watching or listening to this here, a uh, very interesting statistic is roughly the year in the year 2000 of all the mortgages that were done for first-time home buyers, the number was roughly like 97% were done through banks and only 3% were done through mortgage brokers. Wow. Now, the number today, I think the last statistic released, it was like in 2016 or 2017, the number was roughly 48% to 52% of mortgages are actually done with mortgage brokers. So around half. And I know that every year it changes over time. And the reason why we've seen this shift is because of what mortgage brokers do. What a mortgage broker like myself does is we completely for free compare products at all different banks and lenders. So I work with over 60 different banks and lenders wow. so we can not only save you the most amount of money first off, but second of off, get you the optimal mortgage amount with third off the right features to match your goals. Now, if you say or you determine yourself that you want this specific mortgage amount with this rate and these features, it's going to take you a lot of work to go into all these different banks, talk, talk to all these people. Yeah. So I do that completely for free for you. So mm -hmm. even if you don't know what the rate specifically you're looking for, the mortgage product is, I have a proven system to help you figure out what is the best product for you and why, and also help you understand what your goals are and match that all up together. So that is exactly what I do. And a lot of people say, how can you do it for free? This sounds, sounds like a scam. Are you <laughs> going to get me a worse product? Is that how it's free? Like, yeah. I don't understand. And I say, okay, well, how much are you paying your realtor? 
And they say, well, why would I pay my realtor? Like the realtor just gets paid. And I'm like, exactly. It's the exact same thing. Just like how when you're buying prop, uh, when you're buying real estate and your realtor is getting paid from the sellers and the seller's realtor in the transaction, the lender directly pays me mm-hmm. when I um, arrange a mortgage. And the majority of banks and lenders essentially pay me the same amount. I don't even know exactly what each bank and lender pays me because I'm so focused on getting my client the product which is right for them. So it doesn't matter what bank or what lender it is at. It's about really getting the right product for you and finding one that matches your needs, not only today, but for the future. Because a mortgage isn't something you're gonna have for a day or for a year. A lot of mortgages are structured that people have them for 25 or 30 years. So we wanna make a plan, make a strategy that's gonna be right for your overall needs today and in the future. Yeah, that's huge. And I, I know like Daniel and I can say firsthand, like we have had multiple situations. We've been working with a client and they say they went to RBC and they have a locked in rate. That was the amount. And they're, you know, about 20, 30 grand away from where they need to be for realistically what they want. We've seen multiple occasions where we refer someone, you know, to you. And because you have the availability of all the different lenders and programs, you know, we've seen you not only get a higher approval amount, but also a better rate. 100%. And uh, especially too, like what gets us really excited is when you talk about some of the programs you have. Um, so, I mean, you know, again, this is a lot of times for first time homebuyers. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the exclusive programs that you have? For sure. One of the points I'll, I'll just touch on first is I know even you've joked, Kate, or some clients joke, and they're like, well, I went to multiple banks or I talked to multiple mortgage brokers. How can you get me that mortgage that's $75,000 more? Yeah. And that's really what I wanted. Like, how do you ha- like, how do you do that? Some people doubt you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and w- which is usually what happens. And yeah. I know for a lot of people listening or watching, watching this here, they've seen... In the recent months here in Canada, there has been, just us in the past few months, a lot of stories that have come out in the media about mortgage brokers or realtors doing unethical things Mm -hmm. to get people mortgages or properties that they were uneligible for, meaning someone's income was, was too low or just a variety of reasons. So a lot of people think, well, you're doing something fraudulent in order to get this. And again we need to acknowledge that there are a lot of professionals out there. They like to call themselves mortgage brokers, realtors. They call themselves professionals and they're doing not only unethical, but fraudulent things to get there. And what I like to tell my clients is again, I have a five finance degree. I spent those 12, 14, 16 hour days during tax season analyzing someone's tax returns or company's tax returns. How can we optimize the situation? I was doing this with financial products and mortgages is a similar similar thing. Yeah. A lot of mortgage brokers will look at this lender's policies versus this other lender's policy and not notice a difference. But how can you use the rules of the, of, of the lender or of the bank to your advantage? Of it's just like how if we compare it to a lot of people are familiar with using an accountant and people think, well, accountants or people who do taxes are doing unethical things or fraudulent things to help people pay lower, lower taxes. Yeah. But what the, what the majority of them are doing is those accountants or those taxation specialists understand the tax code so much. They understand that if you do this or that thing within the rules, you're going to pay more or less tax. So when you understand the rules, and you use them to your to your advantage. That's how I'm often able to get somebody a larger mortgage amount than what they got from another mortgage broker or a bank and save them the most amount of money. And the most important thing is it's not just the rate. And maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that right now. Yeah. When we're talking about rates and when we're talking about mortgage products, one of the first questions I get mm-hmm. is people say, you know, what's the best rate that you can get me? And the first question I always ask them do you want the lowest rate or do you want to save the most amount of money? 
Boom. And people always pause for a second. They say, why are you asking me a dumb question? Or they think that I am insulting them. Yeah. Right? And they're like, well, what do you mean? The lowest rate is going to save me the most amount of money. And I said, oh, great. So when you went into your bank, did they explain to you that this mortgage calculates the penalty fees this way? And if you need to end the mortgage in two years, you're going to pay a $32,000 fee approximately. They're shocked. Yeah. So just because uh, a mortgage is a higher rate or a lower rate, it doesn't mean it's going to save you more or less money. And what I'm specifically referring to with this is mortgage penalty fees. Mm-hmm. So when you get a mortgage, the traditional mortgage terms in Canada last for five years. Yeah, You can sign a one-year term, a two-year term, even up to a 10-year term, but most uh, products in Canada are focused on five years. And what I mean by term is all the mortgage details are confirmed for the length of the term, so for that five-year period. It's not going to say you need to pay off your entire mortgage in in five years because that would be a lot of money. It's just the payments and the details we're talking about, they're confirmed for approximately five years. This is completely different than any um, Americans who are listening to this or anyone else in other parts of the world because the length of the mortgage, meaning the amount of time it's going to take for you to pay off the entire mortgage, is the amount of time all the mortgage details are confirmed about. Mm -hmm. For example... In the States and a lot of other countries, if you get a mortgage, which you'll pay off in 30 years, this means you have a 30-year amortization. The payments are amortized, spread out over a 30-year period. And when you talk about rates in the mortgage product, it's going to stay the same for 30 years. But in Canada, what we do, that 30-year amortization, what I'm explaining there, we have that as well. But the difference is the term the actual interest rate, the payments, that is only confirmed for, in the case of a five-year term, for five years. A 25, a 30-year term does not exist. Yeah. The reason why I'm saying all this, and you're probably thinking, how does this relate to penalty fees, is because if you need to end that mortgage term early, let's say two and a half years later, you decide to sell all your home and you decide to move to the Bahamas or do something like, like that, yeah. the, the, the lender is going to say, well, hold up, you signed a con contract which said for five years, interest rate is this, you're going to make payments like, like this. We promised our investors and our balance sheet when we calculated the figures that you were going to make these payments for five years, this period period of time. And now you want to give us the money back two years later. And maybe rates have changed. Maybe the environment is different. And we were supposed to be guaranteed to have this money up for five, for five years, loaned to you. Mm-hmm. So banks are going to charge you a penalty fee. And depending if it's variable or if it's fixed, and depending the length of the term and all these different details, they can calculate and charge your penalty fee to be something completely different. Mm -hmm. So the key way to summarize all this, often the lowest rate mortgages have the highest penalty fees. It doesn't mean it's a bad mortgage, but it's not right for everyone. And I think both you and I, Cade, and maybe even the majority of people listening to this as well, five years ago, your life was probably in a little bit of a different situation. And I don't think you would expect you to be in the seat right now. Who expected COVID? Who expected all these things to happen? And what I like to say, it's a phrase I learned from a, a mentor of mine, your life is variable, so so should your mortgage. Now, it doesn't mean variables right for everyone, but the key thing about this is, is your mortgage as flexible as your life? 
Of Does your mortgage have the option to move it from one property to a, another property? Something called portability. Yeah. Do you have the option to end your mortgage early without being charged, you know, almost an arm and a leg, 30, 40,000? How much is an arm and a leg worth? Probably something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we look at all of these things to find that right mortgage solution. That's what I think is really important. Yeah, of course. I mean, one thing I just kind of want to go back and give you credit for is, you know, even saying that you work with over 60 lenders, have these programs, like I want the people to know at home, if you're a broker, it's not like you spawn with that. You know what I mean? Like that is something that you've had to build with. And every time we talk to you, like, oh, you're at this networking event at this seminar, like, you know, brokers are the backbone of a deal, in my opinion, with, with a mortgage. And, you know, to know that you're just putting in that amount of time and effort, and even what you just dropped now, uh, you know, honestly, it's, it's getting me pretty excited. But you're, <laughs> but I know when I was a kid and I still remember on the front of uh, the, our local news uh, or our Vancouver wide news, news, newspaper, the province, uh, there was an ad for, is like a mortgage broker association. It was like, trust a mortgage broker, work with them, whatever. And I remember thinking like, well, rates are the only thing that matters. Exactly. I'll just go online. I can do my own research. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought a mortgage broker was kind of like a travel agent. I can yeah. book my own flight myself. Although there is still travel agents today, travel agents were way pop- more popular 30 years ago when people didn't book flights online. 100%. And I think some of us or most of us have probably booked a trip on our own to travel. And some of us maybe have used a travel agent. Mm. And although, again, in that example with, with travel agents, an easy flight, you can probably book yourself. But if you're booking a crazy safari, you probably want to talk to a travel agent to help you plan all that of out. Course. So if a mortgage was just about the rate... I think mortgage brokers wouldn't really be here because you could easily search search on Google all these different sites, find the best rate, and just go with it. And that's originally what I thought. Mm-hmm. But then as I actually learned about the role, I learned there's all these other more complex aspects about mortgages, and that's what a mortgage broker does, have, have having access to multiple banks and lenders and to be able to craft that uh, all together. So exactly what you said there. For sure. And uh, again, just going back to some of those programs, do you maybe let the people know one or two that you've yeah. kind of helped with first-time home buyers that you've seen a lot of success with? Yeah. So there's, uh, man, there there is so many, a few that kind of uh, uh, stick out to me. Yeah. Is something what is known as a cash back or a cash bonus mortgage. Okay. So everybody, again, everyone's situation is unique. But what I found uh, for some people, uh, maybe those who are newer to Canada or maybe those who have graduated university, they don't have a ton of money saved up, but they got a really high paying job, right? They're earning a lot of money. Now, a lot of people think the most important aspect to buying real estate is I just need to save up money and get a large, large down payment. And we'll talk a little bit later about how down payment is one of those four pieces that I mentioned, four categories being down payment, income, credit, and property, but it's only one of the four. So what I mean by this is if one category is stronger than the other, Often there is a special program that can help you for that. So where I'm going is with these cash bonus or cash back mortgages, for some people who are a first-time home buyer and given their circum certain circumstances, if they have high enough income, the lender may offer up to 3% of the mortgage amount in, in, in a cash bonus. Mm-hmm. Now, what this specifically is doing is you're thinking, well, hey, don't I need to save up my own money for a down payment? Is the lender giving me money? How does that work? When the lender gives you up to 3% of the mortgage in a cash bonus, you can't use it for the down payment, but you can use it for anything else relating to the real estate transaction or really anything you want. So why this program is special is there's people who come to me and say, Christopher, I have $25,000 saved up for a down payment. I want to use to buy this home. And I say, 
do you have $25,000 for a down payment or $25,000 you want to use for buying a home? Yeah. And they say, well, a down payment is buying a home. But it's not. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. And again, I was shocked shocked about this before I bought my first home, before I got into the industry. In addition to the down payment, there's legal fees, there's title insurance, there's yeah. property transfer tax, there's inspections, there's appraisals, yeah. there's all these other things. And depending on someone's situation, the down payment can be almost the same amount as all these other costs. Oh, totally. So through a cash bonus mortgage, the lender is giving you a percentage of the mortgage amount upfront in quote unquote free cash, which yep. you can use to cover anything besides down payment. Now, it's not actual free cash. The technicalities of the way it works is the lender is giving you this lump sum of money upfront. And in turn, every single monthly mortgage payment you make is a little bit higher because you're, you're essentially returning that money to them over the course of your mortgage term. And they do this through having a slightly higher interest rate. Now, there's a lot of other technicalities with it, but in this specific situation, this avatar, this type of person is somebody who has higher income, somebody that maybe has a lower down payment saved. Mm -hmm. That's a type of mortgage product that would be good for them. If we look at some somebody else, um, and uh, this mortgage product, I think it was a client that uh, you and I had to add to, to, to together. Maybe, maybe Daniel, I should know this off the top of my head here. <laughs> but it was some somebody who had been a long time in an employee. They were an engineer. Uh, they were newer to the country, but they were an engineer. They were employee. And we had started pre-approving them for, for, for a mortgage. And then he goes, Christopher, I just started my own engineering business. Like I, be, I became self-employed. I became working for myself. And I was like, I'm very proud of you because I'm a business owner. I think that's great. But I said, you know, it may be difficult to get a mortgage. Yeah. And right and right away, even though you're not a mortgage expert, you said, hey, you're going to have to wait probably a couple of years to buy a home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the majority of banks and lenders have this rule that if you are self, self-employed, meaning you don't have a guaranteed salary, you don't have guaranteed hours or you genuinely have your own business and you work for yourself, mm. you must be doing that for two years so you can prove to the bank that you have a track record of being successful on your own. Yeah. But this specific program allows you to have only been self-employed for as little as six months and even less in some, some cases, providing that you can show you have experience in the industry. Now, what was amazing is this program hasn't existed forever. It hasn't been around for 40 years. It's a newer program. And when we pre-approved this client, I was saying to the client, you you know what? Your specific circumstance, you're going to have to wait some time before you can buy a home. You need a little bit more experience being self-employed. But because I was staying in touch with all the mortgage programs and everything happening, as soon as I heard about this program coming out for newly self-employed people who can show a track record in the in the industry, I thought, wow, this is perfect for our client. And out, and out of nowhere, I called you and said, hey, um, this guy who we thought couldn't buy a home, he is now going to be ready because there's, there's, there's this program. And I remember... It was the next week. You found them the home. They were so excited. I, I still talk, talk to them, and they just couldn't believe it because they had so many people tell them, even me at, at first, that their dreams are going to be crushed for now because they yeah. have to wait, and he didn't want to go back to a job he didn't want, and we got them that dream home. 
No, exactly. And again, too, this is just what I stress to so many people about, like, if you have talking to the bank, and I always ask people, like, have you heard of the cashback thing? And, you know, just using it as an example, like, I've talked to other brokers about the cashback program, and some of them kind of, kind of shake their head. Like, this is something that you as an independent broker, you need to be grinding and going out and figuring out and, you know, meeting with this lender, getting this exclusive, exclusive program. And that was a perfect example for, you know, why it's important to have a good mortgage broker, because those were first time homebuyers that thought they wouldn't have been able to buy for another two years and now they're you know happily living in their home exactly so again that's awesome and uh i guess you know kind of speaking on the whole pre-approval thing um i guess it'd be kind of cool to talk a little bit about you know what is some of the best things and worst things uh people can do for their pre-approval for sure so because there's these four main categories that i that i talked about down payment income credit and the actual property yeah. i'll just discuss a couple of the kind of do's and don'ts for kind sure. of each each of these categories yeah. the first thing i'll just mention is when it comes to the property we don't know exactly the property you are going to get so in the yeah. pre-approval the property is kind of this fluctuating thing mm -hmm. but the key thing i'll just i'll just mention here um is that and this is not really a do or don't it's just some, something that is good to know is when it comes to the property we want to make sure it is a lendable property yeah. so if it's a mobile home home if it's extremely old if it has foundation issues or mold issues your realtor is going to understand okay this home may have a potential issue and this is what is going to stop up us from getting a mortgage so yeah. what i mean do's and don'ts at this stage this is when people are often starting to consider looking at homes online and if something seems too good to be true it probably yeah. is. <laughs> if you see a home on, online and you're like, this seems too cheap compared to these other homes, there's probably a reason. And there are some homes here in Vancouver that you can't get a mortgage on. It's an entire building you can't get a mortgage on. So the yeah. homes are selling for 20, 30, 40% less yeah. than a comparable home because you cannot get a traditional mortgage on it. I was gonna say, we actually just had that funny enough, big, beautiful detached house, uh, originally was listed for about 1.8 million no buyers and they relisted for 999,000 had hundreds of people show up and I'm like what the heck like how is that possible look and find out that it was a major grow up that was part of this huge drug bust so again I had a few people funny enough actually reach out to me about that property and like you said unfortunately you know usually if something is too good to be true uh, there's typically a catch <laughs> and you know generally I tell people and this is a little bit it can become a difficult situation that it's not about getting a certain mortgage size it's also about how much you're willing to pay because usually you can get the mortgage for some interest rate but we want to set somebody uh, up for success so for example a grow up you can get a mortgage on a prop property that was a former grow up where there was a drug lab but there's fewer banks and fewer fewer yep. lenders who are do it and it's going to be more expensive yep. um but let's get into the uh do's and don'ts right there yes let's do it for sure so like what I mentioned before, the four main categories of any pre-approval or, or an approval, that is our down payment, mm -hmm. income, credit, and the specific prop property. Yep. Now, um, I'll, I'll touch on at a, at a different time about the property because that's kind of fluctuating in the pre-approval stage. But for each of those categories, some of the do's and don'ts, when it comes to our down payment, and this is going to be sound like a pretty silly thing, but you, gotta pr you have to provide a 90-day history of any accounts where your money is coming from for your down payment. Meaning if you have some money you're using from this checking account at Scotiabank, for, for example, I need to get a 90-day history of that mm -hmm. before you purchase your home. And any large deposits going into that account, you need to explain. Yeah. 
And the reason why we have to do that is the government sets its laws related to anti-money laundering. So one of the key things is that we're not making ridiculously large deposits of cash into into into, yes. into our bank account because then we need to explain those. Now, some of those things are understandable. We are a weight traitress and we got cash tips that we're depositing. Yeah. That makes sense. But sometimes I notice people start selling some things in their home or just make very, very large cash deposits, or maybe they loan their friends some money and they're returning it and they don't realize where this money came from. So one yeah. of the key things are any deposits going into our bank account that's over, you know, one, two thousand thousand dollars or there's not a set number, we need to be able to explain. So just be yeah. aware that we're gonna have to explain that. Now, if you're transferring money often between accounts, I had a guy that was a currency trader and he had nine different bank accounts and he transferred between all these different bank <laughs> accounts every day. We had to get the history for all these accounts. So yeah. kind of one of the things to be aware of of do's and don'ts with, with bank accounts. Again, if you have your down payment money in various accounts, that's okay. Yeah. The key thing is any large deposits we have to explain and we need to get the history for all these accounts. Oh, that's huge. Uh, I guess moving on here a little bit to credit. Credit, I think, is something that's huge because, you know, for some people watching, they may have literally just had their credit a year ago. Um, I've talked to a few people that have been, you know, like, I don't have the best credit. I don't think I can buy. Do you want to talk a little bit about the realities of that, like how important credit is, yeah. if it's a make or break thing? Yeah. So when it comes to credit, there's two main categories or components we talk about with credit. What is your credit score yep. and what is your overall monthly debt obligation? Meaning what is the regular monthly credit things you have to do? Yeah. So when it comes to credit score, people say I checked act online or I checked on my bank's website and my credit score is this. Your mortgage credit score is calculated completely different and it'll be completely different than any credit score you are going to see online. So I have access to somebody's mortgage credit score and, and, and I'm able to let them know if it's a sufficient number. Yeah. Now, there's quite often where someone's credit score number is too low, but there are special programs for that. Maybe mm -hmm. they're, again, new to Canada, yeah. and they haven't had time to, to develop a credit history here in Canada. Maybe somebody declared bankruptcy in the past, and their credit score is low, even though they have had a good repayment history recently. Mm -hmm. So having a low credit, credit score, although it's important, it is not the most important thing, and there's often programs and things we can do to still get you the mortgage, but what's most important is when somebody gets pre-approved from me, they're often not gonna buy a home tomorrow. They're gonna yeah. buy a home in a handful of months. Yeah. So I can give them strategies on how they can increase their credit score within one to two months by, in some cases, 100, 150 points just by following some of my tips of how a credit score is calculated. So although it's important, it's kind of on a scale, and if your credit credit score is is in a top tier, it doesn't matter if your number is this number or this number. Sometimes you just need to get slightly above a certain benchmark. But again, all that we look at in the pre-approval stage and any mortgage broker you work with should be teaching you about your credit and what you can do to not only keep it at this level, but also improve it. Another one of those pillars that you mentioned is income. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? You know, how it relates with uh, pre-approval. For sure. Yeah. So kind of do's and don'ts and things to just be aware of with income. I'll just kind of touch, touch on some, some basic things is to not change your job, change companies, change your overall situation a lot. Now, yeah. although you think oh, I started this new job and making more money, this is great. That may not always be be it from the banks or from the lender's eyes. And the reason why is they want to see income continuity. They want to see if you're making this amount of money, you've made that before, so you're going to continue on that. The reason why they care is they're trying to make sure that you can make your mortgage payments, not today, not a year from now, but for the next five years. Yeah. So that's why they want to understand your in income path. And if you went from being somebody 
who was an employee with a fixed salary, and again, you started your own business, that can be a risk. So the key thing is, even if you're in the same industry changing comp companies, try to just keep your situation the same. Now, if you change comp companies or if you do become self-employed, does that mean you can't get a mortgage? Doesn't mean that. But it's best to just keep your situation the same. Now, this also relates to if you're going to take a ton of unpaid time off from work, you're going to yeah. go travel the world. Although that's great, that may Im impact your pre-approval. So really for income, if you think, hey, if this is going to change my situation, probably something you shouldn't do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess another big don't, and this is one thing that it's kind of an inside joke, and I guess the real estate and something that I know and I talk about quite a bit um, is, you know, for example, a self-sabotage story of someone buying their own, you know, let's say a brand new vehicle two weeks before closing. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about like the realities of that? Like, has that happened to you personally, as well as a, a you know, brief thing of, you know, say somebody does get a brand new vehicle, how that will impact their yeah. approval? Yeah. A lot of the times. So, so, so a couple points there, a lot of the times people think, well, one thing equals another mm -hmm. and they say, well, you know, this money I showed you, I was going to use for the down payment a week or two before I move into the home, this money for the down payment, I'm going to use it to, let's say, buy a truck, but it's okay because I opened up a line of credit from the bank and I'm just going to use my down payment to be from the line of credit. Yeah. And although you think, well, they're both apples, it's both money, it's $50,000 from my personal savings or it's $50,000 from a line of credit, it's the same thing. It's actually, it's actually not. Yeah. And where this goes, and in the example of somebody buying a truck, for example, and get did, getting that financed, is everyone's situation is a bit different. But a rough kind of rule is for every one hundred dollars a month of regular debt that you have, it lowers your overall mortgage approval by around twenty thousand dollars. So let's say, for example, you maybe have a couple things, but you have. $300 a month of student loan payment payments, which, you know, we've already factored that in, but then you buy a vehicle and you have $500 a month of vehicle payments. Well, that extra $500 a month of regular debt payments, that's maybe reducing your overall mortgage pre-approval by a hundred thousand dollars. So crazy. not only that old pre-approval or that old mortgage we got, um, that we talked, talked about, you, you may not be able to have anymore. Now, the key thing is it's not like, you can't buy a truck having a mortgage. It's that until you move into the home, we need to keep your financial situation the same. Technically, after you move into a home, you could go buy a truck. You you could get more debt. But it's technically okay. Yeah. It's just your your situation before we get you the mortgage, and then until you move into the home. So again, if you're making a big financial change or a big life change. Just talk about that with me. Even something yeah. as simple as, oh, I'm getting divorced. Yeah. Well, that's going to affect your mortgage situation. Maybe you have child support payments. Maybe you have alimony. Maybe this income that we were using, we can't use now. So any major life change, talk talk about it specifically with your mortgage broker, the mortgage professional you're working with, because just because a friend or somebody told you this or that thing uh, may not actually be the truth. Yeah, for sure. And again, we've seen you save multiple people with programs like that. Even, you know, I, I, we won't go into it, but how you can, in some situations, leverage a car payment. Um, so again, if you're in a unique stuck situation, Chris may be your guy. <laughs> Uh, moving on here, just kind of close things off. So recently, we've obviously, you know, had quite a few uh, rate increases this year. Um, and with, you know, now that we're seeing very, very high prices, you know, let's say a year ago um, with cheap interest rates, now we're seeing prices lower with high interest rates. Do you want to talk a little bit as, you know, some pros and cons between the two? 
um, and kind of what you're seeing now. So when it comes to prices being higher, low in interest rates, one of the key things is we saw earlier this this year, mm-hmm. if it's February or March 2022, depending on the area you live in, it was different. The market was at an all-time high, meaning that real estate prices were at truly its highest. And at that time, interest rates were roughly at their lowest as well. Mm-hmm. Now, although your mortgage payments are technically lower in the sense because the interest rate is lower, you're paying more for at home because prices are higher. Now, where I'm going with this is, is today that home home prices have come down, but interest rates have went up. So mm-hmm. in some people's cases, if we're talking for, for example, using the same amount of down payment and that $900,000 home is now $700,000. I know not all homes saw that big, big, big of a decrease. Mm-hmm. Some areas and some homes did. And that specific example, your mortgage payments, even though the rate has doubled from February to today, or even two and a half times in some cases, your mortgage payments are still lower even though the interest and interest rate is higher because the overall purchase price did come down. And after five years, the amount you're going to owe on your mortgage will also be lower. Mm -hmm. So just as because interest rates are higher, it doesn't mean you're going to spend more on on your mortgage because home prices may have also come down a similar amount. Now, again, the area, the home type, this all depends. It's just something to be aware of about interest rates and home, home prices. They are often inversely related, meaning as interest rates go up, often home prices go down and vice versa. Well, you know, that's definitely good to know. Um, you know, we we obviously are seeing some people that are still a little scared to get in or some people that may have bought at that peak earlier this year. Um, do you have anything you can kind of summarize or maybe some tips uh, for them? Yeah, couple couple things we want to be aware, aware of. When we buy real estate, is this like buying sneakers? For example, there's a lot of people, as I'm guessing first-time home buyers, buyers as well, that are buying and selling, maybe it's Pokemon cards, maybe it's sneakers, <laughs> and they don't plan on buying these sneakers, these these shoes, and saving them for 20 years before they sell them. Often yeah. they're trying to buy and flip and move it, but the average person who buys a home are, is holding it for the long term. Very few people buy a home and sell it in a few months, and most yeah. first-time home buyers are buying a home, and they're going to live in it for a period, period of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not going to live in it until you die because it's your first home and it's your starter home, but it's something you're also not going to sell in three months from now. Yeah. The reason why I'm saying this is depending upon the specific area and the home 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 type. If we look in Vancouver over the past roughly 25 years, the average return of residential real estate on average has an average annualized return of around eight and a half percent per year. Now, this confusing statement I said, what does that mean? Well, on average, or in reality, real estate some years goes up 20%, some years it goes down 20%. You know, usually it's a little bit more controlled. Maybe it goes up 8% one year, goes up 12% one year, then maybe it drops a bit. But on average, we see around an 8 or 9% increase of the price, the value of real estate each year. So if you bought a year ago, or if you're concerned is now the right time to buy, on average, real estate prices do go up. It is an investment. So predicting the exact best time to buy, it doesn't matter because what matters more is that we're going to hold real estate for the long term because it is a good investment. It's just less like when we say with the stock market, it's very hard to beat the S&P 500, an index that tracks the entire stock market. It's better to be a long-term investor for most people uh, compared to flipping stocks. 
Same thing comes for real estate that on average over the long run, real estate does go up. So something we just need to, need to be aware of. Now, a lot of people come to me and I'm sure also come to you, Kate, and say, I want to buy the bottom. I want to buy when prices are yeah. at the absolute lowest. Think about a graph in your head. Imagine the line is going downwards because that's where prices are. How do you know you're at a bottom? Well, if the line is going down, the line could go down more. Yeah. The way that you know you're at a not an absolute absolute bottom, but maybe a near-term bottom, is when prices start going up. Now, prices may go up, up, and down a little bit, but quite often prices go down for a period of time, mm -hmm. and then they go up for a period of time. Yeah. So the way you know you're at a bottom, to summarize, is when prices start going up. And often, when prices start going up, you see bidding wars, maybe you see less inventory, so you may, may not be able to get that exact home that you want. Considering we've, we've seen a considerable decrease in prices, now may not be a bad time to buy if you are a long-term investor. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, one thing that we've mentioned before, uh, again, going back to mainstream media, is you saw all the headlines of like, you know, this homeowner made $400,000 in six months or this pre-sale made $200,000. And especially with our generation of, you know, everything has to be very quick. I think just everyone needs a bit of a reality check of like, you are in it for the long haul. We obviously don't advise these quick, you know, last minute flips. Um, Cause again, it is a tangible asset that like you said, over time, you look at these graphs, they've definitely had their dips, but over time it's, it's gone up. Correct. Um, but yeah, again, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, I guess before we end it here, is there any last minute tips or advice or anything you want to say? Yeah, I think I think one of the most most important things is that although we're talking about all this and a lot of people understand the importance of buying a home, a lot of you are probably thinking this doesn't matter because I'm going to never be able to afford a home mm -hmm. or it's so far away. Yep. But by making small steps and by planning early, yep. it can really help you. There's people that have come to us years ago that yep. are just buying today because we've set them up with a savings plan. Yep. They can save this much a month. If they can get this extra, extra, extra job or they can make more income and we create an income plan, we create a down payment plan, we create a credit plan for them, we are able to help them buy homes over time. So I think one of the key things is if you feel discouraged or if you feel like things are too, too complex, reach out to me reach out to Cade. We'd be more than happy to help. Again, I help people with all types of mortgages and all types of situations. And we can just simply have a basic call to understand where your, where your situation is at today. And it doesn't have to be a big formal meeting. My phone number is public 778-867-3941 for yeah. a reason. Give me a call. We can have a brief conversation and we can go forward from there. Again, thank you so much for saying that there. That is the idea we are literally trying to brainwash with people is because you like to think a majority of people, they, I do believe they want to buy. And again, they get so discouraged. But like you said, start the conversations early, get in touch and you know, all the, the pre-maintenance that you can do when it comes time to actually buying, you're miles ahead and it's a lot less intimidating. And there's a reason why you guys are calling this the relatable podcast. We yes. want to make this a relatable <laughs> thing. 100%. A lot of people have bank accounts. A lot of people understand saving money. Yeah, the majority of people have jobs. So these four key aspects we talked about, the down payment, that's simply saving money. Income is simply having a job and proving you're making money. Credit is paying your bills on time, not having too, too much debt. And those are three of the four categories already. And you're yeah. already doing those things even if you don't all, we always know it. So do not be discouraged. Seek professional help from a realtor and from a mortgage broker like Caden and myself, and we'll go forward from there. Thank you guys again for having me on. 
This was a great time and looking forward to the next one. Absolute pleasure. Seriously, I want you to know at home, Chris is one of the hardest working human beings. I think Daniel and I can say we've met. Truly, it's an honor for you to come on. We appreciate you taking the time. And uh, seriously, if you're looking for a guy to, you know, just have a conversation with, get that ball rolling, you know, not even a mortgage broker, a mortgage planner, because he's in it for the long haul. Chris is your guy. It's never too early. Thanks again, everyone. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Make sure to follow us on Spotify. Check out our Instagram at Relatable RE Podcast. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Thank you.